they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. <laughs> Welcome to Bible with the Barbers. Bible with the Barbers and Mama here. She's a grandma, everybody, and she was taking care of the baby. She just got here, so... Thank you, Jesus. I, I was praying that the angels would help you get here. Yeah, here. And I'm wearing green. All Happy right. St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Remember the feast day. St. Yes. Patrick is a great saint. So um, we want to read the gospel today from the Gospel of Matthew. Yes. For, um, this is for the third week of Lent on Tuesday, I believe. Am I on the right Yes, day? you are. Is it Matthew? Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, mm-hmm. how often must I forgive him? Or may I, yeah, must I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but 70 times, seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount Since he had no way to pay it back, his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife and his children and all his property in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage and asked, be patient with me. I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, pay back what you owe me. Falling on his knees, his fellow servant begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had him put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had happened, They were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger, the master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly Father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful teaching. Especially, Danielle, Mary Danielle, this thing is about forgiveness. This is one of the number one problems, even in mental health issues. Absolutely. Learning how to forgive. Learning how to forgive. Is anyone listening out there? Do you hear what he just said? What is Jesus talking about? Well, he's giving a parable, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it's it's a parable where he uses human terms so that everybody can understand, mm-hmm. and and think about it. How much must this first servant have owed his master if the master was going to sell him, his wife, his mm-hmm. children, and all of his po- property in payment of the debt, mm-hmm. okay? And But the master writes it off because he begs for forgiveness, yeah. and he doesn't even ask for the master to forgive the debt, and the master goes above and beyond what is asked. He forgives the whole debt. And so then, but then he goes out and he finds someone else who owes him a mere small amount. And um, what does he do? He shows no compassion. You know, it's funny because we're, we're doing the Our Father now. 
and Father, thy will be done. Essentially, you know, we could sum it all up. What is the will of the Father? Love, you know? And and because we cannot love God the way he loves us, he gives us our neighbor so that we can love someone before we're loved. We're supposed to love one another. But forgiveness tears us apart. And there are stories about non-forgiveness, okay? I remember a priest years ago in a sermon, and he got this story from that book, Dead Men Walking. There was a sister who worked with men on death row. And two true stories. One was about a family whose daughter was brutally raped and murdered by her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. okay? And so the family knew who had done it. So they helped to catch the, the man who did it. They got... They got to be at his trial. They got to be at his sentencing. They got permission to be at his execution. Mm. But they never made the act of the will to forgive him what he had done. Mm-hmm. Well, after he was dead, you know, he was, when he was alive, he was the object of their hatred. Yeah. I'm not going to forgive. This was too awful. I won't forgive this. But you know what? After he was gone, they still had the hatred because they never made the act of the will to forgive. And you know what it did? Mm. It tore their family apart. Yeah. We have to forgive. Mm. And when we don't forgive, it tears us apart, and it actually causes mental illness within us. We begin to suspect people. We begin to get paranoid. paranoid. We begin to say, everybody's out to get me. You know, nobody understands me. I've suffered more than anyone else. No one's had any suffering like mine. But there's another story of what forgiveness will do for you. And it's a true story. And I know I've told this before, but it's worth repeating. And that was a man who worked in prison ministry whose son was murdered. Now, the motive for the murder was just he happened to witness a a robbery. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, as it were, and he was killed by the robber so that he couldn't identify the man. And so the man who worked in prison ministry found himself um, in this emotional dilemma. And here's you acknowledge your emotions. They're real. It's okay, okay. And that was that every time he saw the prisoners, he remembered that a man who is in prison right now murdered my son. And it was so emotionally tumultuous for him that he, he made a decision. I'm going to step back from prison ministry. But he made an act of the will to forgive the man who murdered his son. He said, Lord, I consent. I, I acknowledge that I have this anger in me, this emotion of anger because my son was murdered. I can't change that. But I make the act of the will to forgive the man who murdered my son. And I ask you to forgive him. And in the meantime, I'm going to step back from prison ministry and give my emotions time to heal. And this is another thing, by the way, just, just an aside, when we're dealing people with, who are emotionally wounded, give them time, give them a little space for their emotions to calm down and heal mm-hmm. before you try and address an emotional disturbance between you. And, and, and this is just in daily life. If there's an emotional disturbance, walk away from it, take a deep breath, get time to calm the emotions down, and then come back to it. So what happens? The man for two years did not go back into a prison, but he had been working with a priest and the priest called him after two years and said, you know, I really could use the help in my ministry with working with the prisoners. Could you come back? Mm -hmm. And the man said, you know, I think I can. I think my emotions have gotten to the point where I can face the prisoners. And so they went, he went back and he started visiting the prisoners again. Mm -hmm. And one day he and the priest were working Uh, on death row with men on death row and they came to this one prisoner and the prisoner described the crime he had committed and then he looked at them and he said I just wish that I could know that the father of the man whom I killed forgives me before I die I wish I could go to my death knowing that I was forgiven Mm -hmm. 
And the man looked at him, the layman looked at him and said, I'm sure his father forgives you. Mm. And the prisoner got upset. He was thinking, oh, you pious, you know, (laughs) Joe Sixpack, whoever you are. He said, that's so easy for you to say. Mm. And the man looked at the prisoner and he said, no, that's not easy for me to say. You murdered my son and I do forgive you. Wow. So here, because this man had made the act of the will to forgive, Two years later, before the prisoner was, went to his death, he had the chance to meet the father of the man he murdered face to face. The father was able to say, yes, I do forgive you by the grace of God. And they embraced, and both of them had complete closure and healing. And the man who was dying got to go to his death knowing that, yes, God really does forgive you because the father of this son could forgive you. And he could only do that because God himself forgives you. What a great grace. And this is, this is what Jesus is asking of us. Don't bear grudges. Don't let resentment and bitterness. You know, Okay, I'm angry, and then I don't forgive. So then I get angry. Then I get bitter, and I get resentful. And that can lead to the emotion of hatred. You know, anger, we're supposed to fight the evil. Well, it's okay to hate evil, but it's not okay to hate the people who do the evil. We're supposed to distinguish between the sinner and the sin. And so we don't want to let that resentment and that bitterness enter in. And especially the biggest thing that happens in in injustices, we start feeling sorry for ourselves. Well, who am I that I should have to work so hard and nobody else is working this hard and nobody understands me and I'm suffering so much and nobody understands how much I'm suffering. And you know what? Maybe nobody does, but God does. And and you're right. But don't feel sorry for yourself. Give yourself to Jesus. Amen. And you know, there's another aspect of forgiving someone. Our Lord said it. If you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. Amen. And all of us want forgiveness. I don't know anybody here that doesn't want to be forgiven. I want to be forgiven. (laughs) I do, but it's based on your ability to forgive also. That's That's a requirement that our Lord has mentioned in the Our Father and in the Bible. And I just want to encourage you if you know somebody for this Lent, maybe it's even a Lenten practice. This is an amazing Lent. You think about it, where we don't even have churches, you know, able to have public masses. Yeah, this is a. But you can go to confession and confess that that you need to forgive somebody. And I'll tell you what, you're going to have the greatest Lent of your life when you do that, because it's going to be very liberating when you yeah. when you forgive somebody from the bottom of your heart. And I want to mention another story. I remember once I went on a a private retreat. I just wanted to go to a retreat house. to, to. I needed some time to pray. And there were two sisters who were deaf, religious sisters who were deaf. And so there was a priest who came, and he was partially deaf. This is the Diocese of Los Angeles, and he ministers to the deaf in the diocese. And he gave a sermon one day, and he said, you know, they say forgive and forget. But he said, I'm like an elephant. (laughs) No matter how much, I never forget. I always remember so I have decided that I need to forgive and forgive again. Mm. You know, just because we forgive someone doesn't mean we're going to forget the incident. And right. just because we forgive someone doesn't mean that we need to let people walk all over us. Mm. Okay, so we forgive. And if it comes up again, I make the act of will to forgive again. Right. Okay, and so every time I remember, I make the act of the will. to, And that's what Father said. I forgive and I forgive again and again and again. And the deal is, yeah. And, it, and of course, you know what? It's not just past hurts. In the present moment, we're human beings. We all we don't see eye to eye. We're going to hurt each other without even intending to. But, but forgive. Been there, done that. Yeah. When we come, <laughs> when we boy, have I done that. When we come back, I want to also and talk a little bit about the crisis with the coronavirus and the Bible and 
We talked a little yesterday or earlier in the show with Jesse, but this is going to be something that I think will apply to each one of us. We'll be back with much more on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Christ's message of love, mercy, and compassion is for all of humanity. The Last Days, The Passion and Death of Jesus the Christ is a live passion play being performed in Los Angeles and is an opportunity to get up close and personal to Jesus Christ during this season of Lent. Hi, I'm Jonathan Rumi, and I play Jesus Christ, and I'd like to invite you to join us on April 4th, 5th, and Good Friday, April 10th, at Emmanuel Presbyterian Church in Koreatown for this special presentation. If you're not able to attend the play in person, please consider supporting the ministry by making a donation to help us ensure Christ's message is brought to the world through the arts. For more information, again, go to www.thelastdayspassionplay.com and find, follow, and share us on social media, on Instagram, at The Last Days of Jesus, and on Facebook, at the last days of Jesus' passion play. Thank you so much, and God bless. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. According to St. John Paul II, being a Christian means saying yes to Jesus Christ. It consists in surrendering to the word of God and relying on it, but also endeavoring to know better and better the profound meaning of this word. May God grant that we always rely on His word, read it often, and put it into practice. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment... Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back. And Mary, we talked a little bit in the earlier hour with Jesse Romero and myself about the coronavirus and what the Bible has to say about any kind of pestilence and the response that the church has. Can can you take a little bit of time? And we, we talked about it this morning, so I would like to get your take on all that. Well, you know, it's a funny thing. People... um. God has a permissive will and an active will. That's right. And some things come directly from God. And by the way, the saints have said that poverty and illness come directly from God. And why? God wants to purify us of our own self-will. He has to do this because he made us for himself and we need to learn to do his will. And the deal is God will only tolerate so much sin. Do I have a biblical basis for saying that? Well, in 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 Genesis 6, it says that the people had become so wicked, sin had so multiplied on the earth that God was done with them and he destroyed everybody. He found one righteous man, Noah, 
and his wife and his sons and his sons' wives. So he saved those eight people out of everybody on the earth. Everybody else was wiped out. Um, Was there another time when God in the Bible wiped out people because of their sins? Well, we know in Sodom and Gomorrah. And people can say what they want. The reality is is that God said their wickedness had multiplied to the point he he said, no more. I'm not going to let them sin anymore. I will not allow the sin to go on. So he destroyed them. And do we, there's, there's also, and I brought this up at Bible study one time and, and, and somebody questioned me about it. And I said, well, wait a minute. When the Israelites went down into Israel, God said, you will be there until the Canaanites have filled up the full cup of wrath. So God will allow us a certain number of mortal sins, unrepentant mortal sins. Yeah. And then he says, you're done. I'm not going to let you commit any more. And then he, he brought Israel back out and he destroyed Jericho. It was God himself who brought down the walls of Jericho. It wasn't, it wasn't the Israelites. God broke down the walls of Jericho. And, and so God was going to fight the battle and he would have fought the battles for the Israelites. How many times? I mean, the Israelites didn't defeat Pharaoh and his army. God did. But the point is, is that God will only tolerate sin to a certain point. And then he says, I'm done. Just to back you, St. Alphonsus Liguria, doctor of the church, moral theologian of the 17th century, said exactly the same thing. Right. And the thing is, he gets that. There's a biblical basis for that. I mean, remember, all Catholic doctrine and teaching is rooted. It's all, it's all here right. in the Bible, That's either right. explicitly or implicitly. Mm-hmm. We don't, Catholics don't just pull things out of thin air. Jesus Christ left us a sacred deposit of faith. So what do we have in this current crisis? Well, um, you know, people, uh, St. John Paul II told the bishops of the United States of America back in 1979, he said, you have a huge problem here in this country. You have thousands of people going to Holy Communion every single Sunday, and you only have hundreds going to confession. <laughs> this is a problem. St. John Paul II, at the beginning of his pontificate, said this prayer, return to us, O Lord, a sense of sin and the sensitivity of the saints. And by the way, there's none of us who can say, I'm exempt, I'm righteous. No, absolutely not. Go back to Daniel when they threw Ananias, Azariah, and Mishael in the, thir- the furnace and read the first prayer, not the prayer that says, Blessed are you, um, bless the Lord, all you works of the Lord, praise and exalt him above all forever, but the one before it. The beginning of the chapter where Azariah, where um, I believe it was Ananias stands up in the furnace and he says, essentially what he says is he says, Lord, we've sinned and your judgment against us, against us, sending us into exile. And now that the three of us are in this furnace to die for you, this is all righteous. This is your judgment and this is good and holy and true. But now, Lord, for the sake of the glory of your name, do not deliver us up forever, but have mercy on us. And is that our attitude? Are we getting down on our knees and begging God, have mercy on us, Lord? Yes. The bishop has said no public masses. Uh, hopefully, please, God, um, we'll get Eucharistic adoration. You know, I guess in, in um, Oakland, they have five parishes open up, up Eucharistic adoration. We could do, you know, back to 24 hours with the Lord where the priests are hearing confessions um, around the clock so that people can go to confession. You know, this has been... The tradition of the church is in times of crisis, in times of um, plagues, Mm -hmm. famine, war, get down on your knees and beg God to deliver us. Yes, when David sinned, God sent a pestilence to destroy Israel. And 70,000 men died from Dan to Beersheba. Hmm. And David got down on his knees and he said, Lord, it was I who sinned against you, not the people. Have mercy. 
Take it out on me and my household. I'm the one who sinned. And so when the angel of destruction came to Jerusalem, the Lord said, enough, stay your hand. And so the Lord relented in the punishment. So, you know, men might have, and and there's a very strong possibility that someone, that this virus was created and it was created as a, a chemical warfare, you could say? Be, yeah, could be. And But the, re- the reality is it doesn't matter because what can man do against us if God is for us? So we need to be, and like Abraham Lincoln said, I'm not worried about whether or not God is on my side. <laughs> I love this line. I'm worried about whether or not I'm on God's side. Amen. Are we doing his will? Are we striving to live in his grace? This time, okay, if you're not allowed to go to work, if you're not allowed to go out of your house, hey, you can tune in to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. There you, <laughs> you go. can pray the rosary with us. You can read the Bible with us. You can study it. Use this time to pray. They're gonna, there's going to be live streaming of masses online. All over. Make spiritual communions. Examine your conscience. Call your priests. Say, will you hear confessions? And I've heard that there are priests who are they're hearing confessions, but because the confessional can become a place where germs are, are shared, they're, they're hearing them in the parking lot outside. And, so, and, and we heard of one priest who even said mass. He live streamed the mass, he, and he told all the people, come with your cars and park in the parking lot. I'm going to live stream mass, turn into this channel, and, and then um, I bring Holy Communion to the individual cars. Hey, you know, I, as, as one priest said to us, there's somebody who's thinking out of the box. So he said Holy Mass. He couldn't, you know, did not, no congregation. He celebrated Holy Mass, and the people are outside of the church in their cars, and then he brings them Holy Communion to their cars. So nobody's congregating. Nobody's right next to each other. There's a distance between everybody. You're all in your cars. And confession, ask the priest, you know, Father, can you hear confessions? Ask them, can we have adoration? You take turns. Take, you know, 10 people at a time in a church for adoration. Believe me, in, these, in our churches, you could, you could easily be 20 feet apart from each other and, and with 10 people at a time in your church. So we need to respond to this crisis by turning to God in prayer. And I think it's so tragic. I mean, the first thing people bought out in the stores, that it cracked me up. Toilet paper? Are you serious? Do you understand that toilet paper is a total luxury in life? That, that only, I don't know, what is the United States? What, what, pop, what part of the population of the world is the United States? There's a very small population of the world that enjoys the luxury of having toilet paper. You know, just doesn't exist in most parts of the world. So the most important thing was toilet paper? Um, excuse me. Now, water, yes. Water, you know, you can live longer without food than you can without water. So I can understand. And, and people say, well, they can just drink the city water. No, some people will get really sick if they drink the city water. And, um, but that's okay. We can offer up these sufferings. You know, St. Padre Pio said, the world could exist more easily without the sun than without the holy sacrifice of the mass. Do we think about that? The world could exist more easily without the sun than without the holy sacrifice of the mass. So please cry out to all of your priests. Father, say your private mass. Say it every day for us, your people, that we'll be able to bear this burden. Do you realize we're being deprived of the sacraments? Please pray for us, your flock, so that we won't give in to temptation. People are idle. They're not allowed to go to work. They're not allowed to go to school. Well, don't, you know, there's too many temptations. People will turn on their televisions all day, turn look at their computer all day. There, there's all kinds of evil out there that they can get involved in or just idleness. And by the way, idleness is an evil because you're not doing your duty. 
You know, we can clean our houses finally. We can deep clean things we haven't deep cleaned. But more, more than that, we can pray. We need to turn to the Lord in prayer and beg him, Lord, help us to do your will in this crisis. Help us to follow what it is you want. Help us to be purified and to grow in your love and your grace. Help us to love our neighbor and not forget those in need. What they've asked everybody over 70 years old to stay in their house for three months. Hey, people who have their own homes who are 70 years old need someone to get groceries for them. So check out your neighborhood. Find out who's in need. This is a time to reach out to our brothers and sisters and say, what is your need? What can I do to help you? We don't need to hoard things. Are we putting our trust in material things? Is that what we're doing? You know, what was it? Somebody posted that, you know, the stores are empty and people are buying up all this stuff from the stores. Well, you know, when Israel was out in the desert and God gave them the manna, they were only supposed to gather as much manna as they needed for the day. You know, those who gathered more than they needed, what that was over and above their need rotted overnight. They could not keep it overnight. It rotted. It was useless. So only gather what you need for the day and trust in the Lord to provide. Trust in the Lord to provide. It's not, you know, don't go to the store and buy a cart full of toilet paper. You know, if, if a package of toilet paper will get you through the, the next couple of weeks, limit yourself. Yep. But, but trust God and pray and use this time wisely. Spend your time in prayer. Spend your time studying the scriptures. Spend your time By the way, doing a serious, thorough examination of conscience and of your whole life. What in my life haven't I given over to the Lord yet? This could be the most fruitful Lent of our lives, despite the fact that we're deprived of the sacraments. Because we we didn't choose to be deprived of the sacraments. There are circumstances beyond our control. God can use this for great good. Do you understand? (laughs) Read Bishop Athanasius Snyder's book, Christ Conquers. Christus Vincit, and he talks about growing up in Kazakhstan under communist persecution, where he didn't, they would see a priest maybe once a year sometimes. And, and God is so good. Everything, nothing can happen that he doesn't allow. This couldn't happen if God didn't allow it. And if he allows it, he intends to bring a greater good out of it. He wants us to grow through this, he wants us to trust him. Believe me, I'm struggling. I was crying this morning. When I realized I can't go to mass, I can't go to mass. I can't even go to Sunday mass now. It's okay. Lord, you have a purpose. I will trust you. Give me the grace through this to trust you. You know, the dark night of the senses, the dark night of the souls. Yeah, God will purify us. Do we love God for the gifts he gives or do we love God for himself? And by the way, sacrilegious communions are extremely offensive to God. They degrade us and they desecrate the body of Christ. Those who receive Jesus in the state of mortal sin are are guilty of the blood of the Lord. They're guilty of murdering Christ. That's what it says in Corinthians. Look at Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10. We need to repent of our sins. We need to go to confession. Beg your priest to hear confessions. Even if you have to park your cars out in the parking lot and you have to walk with father in the parking lot because the confessionals can become an, a, a, a vehicle for germs. We can still go to confession, please God. And if we can't get down on your knees and tell the Lord, ask the Lord for the grace to make a perfect act of contrition and beg God that our priests will have the fortitude to hear the confessions of everyone. If we're in danger of death, we should all be going to confession. 
Hey, get, last time I looked, nobody gets out alive, Mary. Nobody does. So we got to be ready. We have to be ready. Yep, and we never know the day or the hour. So I would just encourage you to get the confession, visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, make your spiritual communions. Another great one we talked about is Psalm 91, St. Patrick's uh, breastplate prayer. Lots more to hear on the Terry and, on Virgin, on, <laughs> hey, on the, uh, Terry and, uh, what is this called? <laughs> this is Bible with the Barbers. Attention VMPR listeners, we've talked at length about the attack on our youth through popular culture media, but what if I told you there was someone trying to make a difference? The newest novel, Britfield and the Lost Crown, by C.R. Stewart, is reaching schools across America and sharing Christian morals alongside great storytelling. What if I told you that this mission needs your help? To reach more children, Britfield and the Lost Crown need funding for their ongoing book tour. If you're interested in making a difference, if you're interested in buying the book or are curious and want more information, go to BritfieldInstitute.org. That's B-R-I-T-F-I-E-L-D Institute.org. Or email media at Britfield.com. Help open up the world of Britfield and the Lost Crown to people everywhere. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you, Jesse, for bringing us back. And we're going to hear a little bit here from Bishop Fulton Sheen on Thy Will Be Done. What are his insights? Exactly. And this is taken from a book, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. It's a brand new book. We think about this. In the Our Father, our Lord asks us to resign ourselves to the will of his heavenly Father on the cross. He now resigned himself to that same divine will. The real lesson hidden in the words is that now and then we face unintelligible and mysterious things of life. Boy, don't we? Yeah. And the only solution is to trust the will of God. Thy will be done done. as as it is in heaven. We ask ourselves such questions. Why should I suffer? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Bishop, she's so good. Why Why did God take away my mother? 
Why is there pain? Why do the innocent suffer? Why does God abandon me? There is no answer on earth except thy will be done. Thy will be done. Our Lord in the word reemphasizes the lesson taught in the book of Job. We all remember the Old Testament, Job? Job. He was sorely afflicted. Yes, he was. Sorely he afflicted. lost his children, his fortune, his wife, Everything. and turned against him. His friends abused him. Yep. And his whole body became afflicted with dread. And so he asked the question, why? Yeah. Why did I not die in my mother's womb? Why did I not perish when I came out of the belly? Why was I received upon the knees? And why I suckled at the breast? Why is light given to him that in misery and life to them, they are the bitterness of the soul? That's a chapter three. Wow. And then he, Bishop Sheen talks about Job's friends tried to, yeah, I know, that's funny. Friends, okay. Friends like that who needs enemies. Yeah, really. <laughs> tried to give him a human explanation. Don't yes. we get that from a lot of our friends? Yes, too, we Mary? try and give a human explanation. To solve all of his riddles, to make everything reasonable, and to show how one part of the universe fits every other part. Now, if the book of Job were purely a human document, a trivial poet or a modernist dramatist would have made God enter the scene and answer the question of Job. So true. And yet when God does not come on the scene, why does he actually, what when he actually do, do? He does not answer the question of Job. He asks Job more questions. He asks Job the questions. In a way that abolishes all foolish questions. Yep. I love that. Were yep. you there when I mean? I love it. He asks Job more questions. Right? He turns to Job and says, I will ask thee and then answer me. Was that, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Mm -mm. Upon what are its bases grounded? Or who laid the cornerstone? Who shut up the sea with doors when it broke forth in the ensuing of our womb? When I made a cloud, the garment therefore, and wrapped it in a midst of a swaddling. And that's chapter 38. Now Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do all things and no thought is hidden from thee. Therefore, I have spoken unwisely, yes. and the things that are above measured exceeded my knowledge. Yep. So God insists on the inexplainableness of everything. Yes. Wow. The maker of all things is astonished at the things he has made. Instead of providing to Job that is a world explicitly by science, right. you get this? He shows Job that it is much more stranger world than science ever suspected. Exactly. Wow. Right. They refuse the refusal of God to explain his design is in itself a burning hint of his design. Namely, the riddles of God are more satisfying than the solutions of man. I'm going to repeat that. The riddles of God are more satisfying than the solutions of men. Amen. And so in the book of Job, we can see he was tormented not because he was the worst of men. No. But because he was the best. Because it was Good Friday that was a prefigurement into the womb, yes. wounds of Job. So here comes Bishop Sheen. The lesson for us is that many things are inexplainable here below. But they are only the details. For instance, why this pain? Why this loss? Why this sorrow? The general principle, true and unshaken, is that God is good. God is good. And his will is what is best for my soul. His will is what is best. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yes. 
means forsaken only in the appearance, not in reality. Right. We may be lonely, but God is never out of our hearing. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Amen. Our Lord has gone into the forest of suffering and loneliness, but he has left his footprints, I love this, there so that we can find a way out. Amen. Take God's hand, I'm taking Mary's hand, <laughs> and follow hand. him in the dark and trusting and believing. We cannot say he does not know what it is to be abandoned, for he was abandoned on the cross. Amen. Trust him Amen. when dark times assail thee. Trust him when trust is small. Trust him when simply to trust him is the hardest thing of all. Amen. Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. Pray yes. for us. Amen. Please pray. All right. I just had to get that in, Mary, because it's a powerful reflection with that our father verse right on thy will be done and yep. read the book of job read the book of job hadn't done anything wrong and what his friends were trying to convince and they were like job admit that you've sinned mm. god wouldn't do this to you except that you had sinned and, and again they're trying to give a human solution to the problem of the sufferings of job and they can't understand and that's it, it's not that god's will defies reason it doesn't defy reason but it goes beyond our ability to reason right is it reasonable for a god to take on human flesh and then in that flesh to take on the punishment for all the sins of all mankind mm. is that reasonable to us no no it's absolutely not reasonable <laughs> but this is what god did this is what love does it pours itself out yeah. and you see we're looking for happiness right thy will be done how are we going to find happiness happiness exists in a knowing, loving relationship where we're loved by, known by someone and loved completely and where we, in turn, yeah. love them and know them completely. And only God himself can satisfy the longing of the human heart. As Bishop Sheen said, there's a God-sized hole in our heart. So it's only in the will of God that we will find true happiness. It's only, you know, little children understand this because where do they find their happiness? Little children that are not spoiled, who have been loved by their parents, are perfectly secure and perfectly happy in their father and mother's arms. That's right. That's, that's where they find their joy. And when something's wrong with mommy and daddy, when mommy and daddy are upset, the children are afraid. Oh, yeah. If mommy and daddy are at peace, the children are at peace. There's a beautiful story, the most precious gift. And the story is that there was this little girl, mm -hmm. and her father was so pleased with her obedience and her you know, demeanor and her love for him that he wanted to give her a gift. So he took her to the store and he said, my dear, I want you to pick out anything you want. <laughs> and the little girl said, daddy, I want the present you give me. And the father didn't understand. He said, no, honey, go ahead. Go ahead. Pick out whatever pleases you most. And she said, but daddy, the one that pleases me most is the one you pick for me. Amen. And this is it. It's like, can we look at God and say, father in heaven, the gift that you give me, even be it suffering, poverty, humiliation, that's the gift that pleases me most. Or is it, you know, no, you, I, 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 yeah, I'll pick it out. I want, I, want, I want wealth. I want everyone to love me. I want esteem. I want good health. You know, I want to have enough of this world's goods. You know, it's like, are we really little children before God? And so it's only in uniting ourselves to Christ, okay, the final triumph over sin and death is when we unite ourselves to Christ and father, thy will be done. Remember in the garden, mm -hmm. Jesus said, father, if it's possible, let this chalice pass me by, but not my will, but thine be done mm -hmm. like Job. And like Bishop Sheen said, Job's sufferings are a prefigurement of the sufferings of Christ. Right. Job was righteous. That's what the Bible tells us. And by the way, Job wasn't even this. Job is the great grandfather of Abraham. And yet he was righteous mm -hmm. and he hadn't sinned. 
And yet God allowed him to suffer as a prefigurement of the sufferings of Christ. And then, but he had to learn the lesson. Everybody's badgering him that obviously he wouldn't be suffering if he hadn't sinned. And and Job's wife says, why don't you just curse God and die and get it over with? Mm -hmm. And that was the whole thing. You know, when God, when, when, when God takes everything away from me, he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away as it has pleased the Lord. So has it been done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like the little girl, whatever gift you give me, that's the one that pleases me most. Now, now granted under the badgering of his friends and under his sufferings, by the time his friends come, he's sitting on a dunghill covered with sores. Have you read the book? (laughs) Read the book. You know, so in the end, he says, I, you know, Lord, I cover my mouth. You're right. I don't know. I wasn't there when you named the stars. I can't call forth the dawn and make the dark. You know, all of these things. I don't know. I don't understand your ways, but I submit to your will. And in the end, and God blesses Job. <laughs> he blesses Job because of his, his, his submission to, the, you know, to God's will. And God wants us. Why? Because God wants our happiness. God made us right. to be happy with him, to be in relationship with him. But in order to be in relationship with him, we have to give up our attachment to the things of this world. We're not going to take anything of this world to heaven with us. By the way, not even the seven sacraments. They're God's gifts. They're not God himself, except in the Eucharist where we receive God himself. But nonetheless, he can purify us and sanctify us without the sacraments if if we're not refusing them. So we pray. And what does God want? What is God's will for us? Well, what is his purpose? He wants our salvation. What are his commandments? If we keep his commandments, what are his counsels and his inspirations? These are his will. So what do we know first? We know the divine purpose. And how do we know the divine purpose? Well, have you read the word of God? This is the will of God, your sanctification, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. God, our Savior, wishes all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth, 1 Timothy 2, 4. So, Christ died for us sinners. We're all sinners. We're all in this together. None of us can say, Lord, you're punishing us unjustly. No, we're all in this together. Read again that chapter of Daniel where Ananias, Azariah, and Mishael are first thrown in the furnace and Ananias stands up in the midst of the flames and he prays to God. That should be our attitude. Lord, we have sinned and we have been unjust, but do not deal with us as our sins deserve. For the sake of the glory of your name, have mercy on us. So, Father, how wonderful is your care for us, how boundless your mercy, how boundless your merciful love. To ransom a slave, you gave away your son. That's from the Easter canticle. Yeah. So what is the work of God, according to Jesus Christ? The work of God is that you believe in him, Jesus Christ, whom he sent, John 6, 29. So this is the work of God. This is God's purpose. So this is the first part of his will. This is what his will is about. This is the first part, his purpose. So we'll talk about his divine commandments and his counsels uh, if we have time. (laughs) Wonderful. What a great time to reflect on the Lord's Prayer. And what a great time to be alive. Amen. We'll be back with much more. See how much God loves us and lets us suffer with his son. Christ's message of love, mercy, and compassion is for all of humanity. The Last Days, The Passion and Death of Jesus the Christ is a live passion play being performed in Los Angeles and is an opportunity to get up close and personal to 
Jesus Christ during this season of Lent. Hi, I'm Jonathan Rumi, and I play Jesus Christ. And I'd like to invite you to join us on April 4th, 5th, and Good Friday, April 10th, at Emmanuel Presbyterian Church in Koreatown for this special presentation. If you're not able to attend the play in person, please consider supporting the ministry by making a donation to help us ensure Christ's message is brought to the world through the arts. For more information, again, go to www.thelastdayspassionplay.com and find, follow, and share us on social media, on Instagram, at The Last Days of Jesus, and on Facebook, at The Last Days of Jesus Passion Play. Thank you so much, and God bless. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we come to understand. According to St. Augustine, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. May God grant us a strong living faith in Him and His divine plan of salvation and help us to believe so that we may understand. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, Terry stepped out to do some errands. And so we're going to finish off here the last section. We uh, talked about what are what are God's, what is his will and how do we know his will? And we have, um, and what does his will consist? So the second part, after we have the first part is the divine purpose. Now we have the second part is the divine commandments. And what are the divine commandments? Well, love the Lord your God with your whole heart and mind and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, in John 13, 34, Jesus upped that a notch. He said, love one another, even as I have loved you. Okay. So we're supposed to love each other the way Jesus loved us to the point of death and you know suffering and death. And it, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 28, 22, it says, this commandment, summarizes all the other and expresses the Father's entire will. So this is God's entire will, that we love one another. Why? Because God is love. God is love. And so he desires that we love him. And then we have the Ten Commandments. And what did Jesus say? In John 14, 15, he says, If you will love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay? We're supposed to keep the commandments of God. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments, he says in Matthew nineteen seventeen. Do we need further proof? You know, all of the commandments about, you know, the, 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 from the fourth commandment to the tenth commandment, those are all about loving our neighbor. The first three commandments on the ten commandments are about loving God above everything. And then the next seven are about loving our neighbor. And to love our neighbor, 
if we love our neighbor, we fulfill the law. And to love our neighbor means to desire what is good for our neighbor. What does God want for us? We talked about this in the first part of God's will. He wants our salvation. So what is the greatest love we can have for our neighbor? Is to their salvation, to love their salvation to the point that I will never lead them into sin and I will never cooperate with anything with my neighbor that is sinful. I will resist sin to the point of death. So we pray God that we can resist sin to the point of death. And the new law of love in Christ challenges us. Oh, to no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law, Romans 13, 18. So this is the debt we owe to each other, to love one another. Greater love than this no man has than to lay down his life for his friends. And in laying down his life for us, what is Jesus doing? Jesus took on the punishment for our sins. So oftentimes we're willing to say about people, well, they deserve what they got because they were being bad. You know, they deserve their lot because that's what they chose. You know, he made his bed, he can sleep in it. Really? That's not a Christ-like attitude. We should pray for the sinners. We may not be, we can't save anybody, okay? We can't save anyone. But we can ask God to send someone into their life who can show them that the path that they're walking on is leading them away from God. And we can pray for them and take on suffering and sacrifices according to the duties of our state in life so that they'll turn back to God. And what does the, the first letter of John tell us? By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. And in this current crisis, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to give up some of the world's goods in order to help our neighbor? Are we praying more? Are we sacrificing more? Are we using this time of idleness for those who don't have schoolwork right now or school has been suspended or work has been suspended? Are we spending more time in prayer? Are we being more faithful to the duties of our state in life? Are we helping our neighbor? Okay, so this heroic will, uh, heroic Love is what we're called to. This is what configures us to Christ. We're called to this heroic love to serve one another. So the third is God's counsels. And what are God's counsels? Well, it says what? Be perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect, right? Matthew 5, 48, and you can compare Romans 12, 2, and James 1, 4. And so perfection consists in perfect charity. So we ask God to perfect charity in us. And by the way, John tells us in his letter, the first letter of John, don't tell me you love the God you don't see when you don't love the neighbor you do see. We have to ask God for the grace to love people, even people who hurt us. All right. So we want to be perfect. And what was it that Jesus told the young man of the gospel? How are you to be perfect? The young man says, Lord, what must I do to be perfect? And Jesus says, well, He says, honor your father and your mother. You shall not steal. You shall not kill. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And the young man says, I've done all these. What's lacking? Well, what was lacking? Jesus told him the seven commandments from four to 10. He didn't say anything about the first three. And what does he tell the young man? Go and sell what you have and give to the poor. And then you will be perfect if you come and follow me. Go and sell what you have, give to the poor, and then come follow me. And that will be perfection. Whoa, by the way, to everyone in that Jewish audience, Jesus just clearly claimed to be God because he said you will be perfect 
by, by coming and following me after you sell everything you have and give to the poor. So first love your neighbor, you know, love because you will be loving God. The first three commandments, you'll fulfill those first three commandments. Jesus had already talked about the seven to 10 by selling what, what you have and giving to the poor. Then you'll fulfill seven through 10. Now come and follow me. You fulfill the first three by coming and following me. Whoa. <laughs> by the way, there wasn't a Jew in that audience who missed it. They all clearly caught the claim. They knew what he was saying. So we want to do what the Lord says. And we want to do what the Lord counsels. And he counsels us to perfection. So by giving everything, by giving to the poor, selling everything we have and giving to the poor, and following the Lord, we let go of the things of this earth. And by the way, there's a beautiful story in the, well, it's not, it's a frightening story, beautifully frightening, I guess you could say, in the, in the life of St. John the Bosco, St. John Bosco, about what happens when we despise God's gifts. This is a true story. There was a woman who came to St. John Bosco. She had three sons. And St. John Bosco had the gift of prophecy. And she asked him, what are my sons destined to be? Well, God gave him a prophetic word for these sons. And, and he told her that the first son would become a um, successful lawyer. The second son would become a successful doctor. Oh, the woman is extremely pleased. She's really happy. And then Don Bosco took the smallest son in his arms and he explained that the finest lot had fallen to the youngest son because he is called to be a priest. <gasps> a priest? The woman said she was horrified. I'd rather he be dead than a priest. Woman, Don Bosco replied, you have committed a very grave sin. Indeed, he continued in the same prophetic spirit, your son will die very young for you have despised the gift of God. The woman was deeply troubled at this and begged pardon. Don Bosco said, may God forgive you your sin. Nevertheless, the child will die and God will take him to himself for you are not found worthy to have a child clothed with the greatest possible location, the priesthood. Not long after that, that child died. So don't despise God's gifts. And by the way, this current trial is a gift from God. And yes, even depriving us of the sacraments is a gift from God. God has a reason for all this. He can purify us. He can sanctify us through this. We can unite ourselves to Jesus Christ in this suffering. Be ye perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. We are called to perfection and only God can accomplish that in us. We need to give ourselves over to his will. And so oftentimes it's more like we're telling God, you know, God, do this to fix this situation. God, do this to fix this situation. And it's like, well, Lord, wait a minute. We've been going to mass every day and we've been saying our prayers. And why are you taking the sacraments away from us? And it's like, you know what? We don't understand the counsels of God. As Bishop Sheen said, you know, God's ways are beyond our explanation. Science doesn't have all the answers. No man has all the answers. You don't need faith to know that God exists. All you need is a right reason. But with faith, you can understand that God loves you. And that he desires your true happiness. And you'll only have happiness when you live in union with him. And so in order for us to live in union with him, he gives us the inspiration of his divine grace. 
and that the inspirations of God move our souls to fervor, constancy, and perseverance. Look at the holy angels. Look at the holy angels on how we should behave. The holy angels, our guarding angel has to see us sin time and time again, and he never abandons us. He never stops encouraging us to do God's holy will. He's fervent in the service of God. He's constant in the service of God. He's perseverant in the service of God. The holy angel will never, ever change or turn away from God, and he encourages us to do the same. He calls us to be like him and to be like Christ. The holy angel is trying to reproduce in us the image of Christ. That's his mission, to help reproduce in us the image of Christ. So he inspires us to do what God's will is in the moment so that we can have divine grace. You know, when we were baptized, we received the life of God in our souls. We are temples of God's dwelling place. God lives in us. We are temples of God. Lord, if I am not in the state of grace, please put me in the state of grace. And if I'm in the state of grace, please keep me in the state of grace so that I can do your will and live in union with you. Help me to follow your inspirations, Lord. Help me to listen to the voice of my angel and to follow the example of my angel, the angel who never leaves my side, this beautiful angel who who sees God face to face and yet also sees me sin and at the same time is constantly encouraging me to have confidence contrition for my sins and go back to God and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy and never to condemn anyone. The angel doesn't condemn us. He doesn't condemn us. He wants us to live in union with God. He just wants us to live in union with God. So God's will for us is what? He wants his peace and tranquility in our heart. He wants us to be docile and obedient. He wants us to persevere. So we ask for the grace to be humble before the Lord, to enter into union with him, to not complain about the current circumstances, but to rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Yes, even in the current circumstances, give thanks. So go online. Assist at the Holy Mass by watching the the live streaming of the Mass online. Make your communions by making spiritual communions frequently and regularly. Pray that priests will have an inspiration as how to make the sacraments available to us, especially confession and maybe even doing communion like that one priest who came out to the cars and gave communion to people in the parking lots. (laughs) You know, but know that God is good. And in the midst of this crisis, he hasn't abandoned us. He is with us and he has the answer to this crisis. And the answer is himself. He longs to give himself to us. So he's trying to help us to let go of the things of this world and embrace him. So embrace the love of God poured out for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next week on Bible with the Barbers. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, Grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, 
shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.